New York Artist Collective. Again and welcome to the New York Artist Collective podcast. This next one's about. This is the podcast where we interview one of our favourite artists to discuss one of their songs and all about their creative process. My name is Stephanie Manns. I myself am a singer songwriter from New York City. Well, not from New York, but you know what I mean. And uh, I'm also uh, one of the New York Artist Collective producers. Now, today's guest is a country folk artist uh, currently based in Nashville. Her name is Rachel Bayman. Here she is to talk about her song, Times Like These. Rachel was recently handpicked by Rolling Stone magazine as one of the top 10 artists to check out in November, and I'm sure you'll see why. They described her sound as Woody Guthrie's social consciousness, Alison Krauss's fiddle, and Emmylou Harris's vocal shimmer, sharing a brown bag sing-along around a hobo fire. I love it. Here to tell us more is the lady herself. Rachel Bayman, it's so lovely to talk to you. Welcome to the show, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, um, but originally from Chicago. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, um, the weather's a bit nicer here, so. So let's just dive right into it. So we're, we're, you're here to talk about your song, Times Like These. Yeah, it's, um, it's a new song that I wrote with a friend of mine named Tom Schuler. And it came out this early this uh, November. And it's from an EP that you wrote called Thanksgiving. And, and the whole thing was, you know, the, the EP was was all about Thanksgiving. And um, I think, you, you know, you've got some, some really interesting songs on there. So where did where did the idea come from for the EP? Um, well, I had written that song Thanksgiving maybe a year ago um, around the time of Thanksgiving, maybe two years ago. And um, it was kind of inspired by the situation that was going on regarding the Dakota Access Pipeline. And so I was kind of writing about that holiday and the way we celebrated and kind of the irony of celebrating it around that whole crisis. And when I was writing it about Thanksgiving, I thought, you know, that it would be cool to put out a a holiday album themed around Thanksgiving because there's, you know, a lot of Christmas albums, but not so many around other holidays. And I think it's kind of fun to put things out that are seasonal and, you know, relevant to how people are feeling, what they're thinking about at a particular time in the year. Um, So the other songs on the EP are kind of trying to capture some other themes about Thanksgiving. So home and, you know, feeling gratitude. And then uh, for Tent City, it's sort of a, a backhanded way of feeling gratitude and thinking about what others do not have. No, absolutely. I love the idea of it. And you're right, there are, um, you know, you can't swing a cat for Christmas albums, but it's it was a really nice thought to um, to create something around Thanksgiving. And I, I love I love Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite American holidays, obviously not being American. Um, but I find I find it so fascinating. It To me, it's, it's like Christmas without the presents and way less stress and pressure. I'm not sure if that's the case for everyone here when they have they go back to their family. Yeah, that's that's exactly what um my husband was saying who's from New Zealand so he's not you know he didn't grow up with Thanksgiving either but he he was saying it's just like Christmas you know without any of the presents or the pressure or anything but yeah I mean for some people I think any family gathering is tough if you you know if those relationships have gone bad or were never good or if you just are missing people you know that you can't be with that you want to be with so I mean there's always the um tough side to holidays for a lot of people but for me I do really love Thanksgiving because it, it's like that that little more low-key and just super positive kind of version of not that I'm like anti-Christmas but it is Christmas is just a bit more um, commercial you know so there's a lot of like 
there's a lot of hubbub around it that you don't have with Thanksgiving. So, so you wrote this in Nashville with uh, another songwriter. Yeah, times like these. So this was kind of one of my more um, Nashville songwriter experiences where there was a publishing company that, you know, put two people that didn't know each other, me and this guy, into a room in a in a writing, you know, in a writing room at a publishing company on Music Row. It was very Nashville. Eight o'clock in the morning, the guy, Bobby, who runs this publishing company, was like, Do you want to meet up at nine o'clock? I was like, I cannot write a song at nine o'clock. Are you crazy? <laughs> like that's not so I was like, at least can we push it to ten? And uh so I, I was kind of skeptical of the whole experience because that's just not, you know, normally if I write songs with someone, it's it feels a little more organic. You know, we're hanging out and just talking about something that inspires us and right. someone that I already know. And it just, you know, it's just different. So, but um, this guy, Tom Schuler is like a really, really experienced kind of old school Nashville songwriter. And it was, it was super cool to get to write a song with him and, and sort of experience the way that he approaches it. Cause I think you learn something anytime you write with someone about their methods, something that you mm-hmm. can draw. And for, for a layman, for Joe Bloggs, who hasn't written a song in their life, you know, ex- explain that kind of co-writing session. You know, do you, do you go in with an idea? Do you um, chat about what's going on in your life? Um, do you go in com- with a completely blank slate or, or what's your approach? Well, I think for any co-write, you know, there's no rules. So it could always be any situation mm-hmm. depending on the people involved. But I do think it's a good idea to come into a co-write, especially with someone that you haven't met before, come in with a few ideas in your back pocket, but nothing that you're too wedded to. Yep. Because, you know, you don't want to work on something that you already feel too attached to because you won't be open to their ideas. And you don't also want to come in and sit there and just go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, mm-hmm. and, you know, not have anything to offer. So I think, I think it's a good idea to just have a few ideas that you've just vaguely thought about, but not, but you're not too attached to that you're not going to be sad if they go a direction that you don't love and then um you know for for me and Tom we were kind of like we didn't know each other at all so we spent a long time chatting and um just about you know I guess different stages of life he thought it was kind of funny because he was a lot older than me and he kept kind of making jokes about how like oh I bet Bobby didn't tell you that I'm old and like now you have to write with this old guy and all this stuff and I was like I thought it was kind of funny. And we were just talking about, you know, he's just kind of retired. And then, you know, we started talking about gratitude and all this stuff because in the context of politics and we actually started writing a much more dark song. But um, one thing that I was really trying to soak in from his songwriting ability is getting the most meaning out of very, very minimal statements and so when we were writing times like these we were we were trying to kind of come up with what we were trying to say oh are we you know hard times like these um is it gonna be like we were trying to find the right word to describe and then he was like no it's just times like these you know we just simplified it and that kind of gave it so much more meaning because we didn't try to tell people what the times were yeah it's it's something as simple as that which allows the listener to put their own take on it and it probably find in 10 years time it will still be applicable and it'll be applicable to something else yeah exactly um okay well let's take a listen rachel would you like to introduce your song oh sure um this is times like these this is a duet and um it's my friend josh oliver who's singing on this recording the freedom in failure 
Open the way 
Rachel Bayman and Times Like These. Rachel, that is a lovely song. I've kind of been listening to that um, for a little while now. And I find it really interesting in terms of your story because you and I met, oh goodness, uh, four or five years ago, I think it was. Yeah, and you were on tour with um, a, a Canadian, mostly a Canadian band called Oh My, oh My Darling. And I think I met you, it was in Edinburgh when you guys were playing the Fringe Festival. Mm-hmm, that sounds right. But at that point, you weren't really songwriting. You were um, playing fiddle in that band. Yeah, um, I definitely uh, started out as a fiddle player. And I've always been, you know, a fiddle player growing up. That was kind of my thing and what I spent all my time working on. I think maybe when I met you, I had kind of started writing a little bit, but I definitely wasn't writing a lot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I was doing was kind of playing with old traditional songs or you know, trying to kind of like learn more about traditional old time songs, basically. And so, yeah, it's it's a newer thing for me. And it's definitely been a transition to where that really has become one of my big main, main focuses musically. I do hear that in terms of, you know, Oh My Darling, I know that you hadn't wrote those songs, but it, to me, the, the genre is still quite similar. But it's so lovely to hear you put your own spin on things. Uh, Rolling Stone had described you as a Woody Guthrie, um, Alison Krauss, Emily Harris kind of sound. And I can definitely hear that, but there's something kind of a bit dark there. It, there's hope, but there's something kind of dark there as well. And I, I really like that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I kind of sometimes wish that I wasn't so dark, but it also fuels the creative process. And I'm not like an unhappy or unhopeful person, but I do I do kind of use music to tap tap into those feelings sometimes and um, do something with them when I don't know what to do with them. And uh, I was thinking about that today, actually, because there's this amazing Gillian Welch song. And the lyric is like, some girls are bright as the morning. Some are born with a darker turn of mind. And when I heard that, when I finally like heard that lyric, I was like, oh, that's so true. <laughs> it's not necessarily something that you really choose because I just, I noticed some people, you know, like my husband, for example, is just so positive all the time, like relentlessly. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just something about how your brain chemistry is, I guess. Oh, by the way, congratulations on your, your nuptials. Oh, thank you. Lovely. Um, you got married in Nashville very recently, didn't you? Yes, about uh, three or four weeks ago now. Oh, that's lovely. Um, and your husband's also a musician. He's a fiddle player also. Yeah, he's a great fiddle player. And um, he also plays um, bluegrass style banjo. So uh, he ha- played on my, he played a couple songs on my first album, Shame. And he actually plays um, the fiddle on the track Madison, Tennessee on the EP. Keeping it in the family then. Yeah, I was just like, it was the end of a really long studio day. I had played banjo on that track and sang it with Molly. And I was like, this just needs some like really cool rhythmic old time fiddle. And I was like, I just can't. I'm just like too exhausted. I can't do this. And I was like, George, come play fiddle on my track. <laughs> and he came in and nailed it. I was like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> And also, you know, you're you're kind of I'm I'm seeing you pop up in, in very you know various different places. Um, and obviously, I mentioned earlier, Rolling Stone had, had picked you up as uh, one of their picks for November's artist to check out. Um, that's that's really awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. That was really exciting. So, what's uh, what's on the horizon for you? Um, well, I have I'm kind of starting the tour um, behind this EP um, in January. 
Mm-hmm. So I put it out beginning of November and then I got married and then it was the holidays and I wanted to kind of let the music be available around the, the holiday season, but I'm going to start touring on it in January, starting in the UK. So I'm actually playing at Celtic Connections Oh, great! Um, in Glasgow. So that's really exciting. That's kind of been on my bucket list of festivals forever mm-hmm. and um, doing some shows um, in England, in Ireland, in Wales, and then um, I think in also in Spain. So that's going to be really cool. I've never been there before. And then I'll come back and do um, a hometown kind of EP release show in February and then just more touring throughout Mm -hmm. the rest of the year. So I'll be doing a lot with with this project this year. That's great. I saw you play um, with your trio. Yeah. I think, I can't remember, it must have been October, I think. Um, a yeah. rock musical in, in New York and that was that was great I think you guys have such a good chemistry on stage have you been working with those those guys for long yeah I, I've kind of um, been doing the trio show since I put out shame and I just found that to be kind of the the best way to um, represent the sound of the of this particular project because of the three-part harmony is such a big part of the feel of the music yeah so I've been really enjoying doing that since I'll switch instruments so it kind of we have a lot of instrumentation options and being able to kind of have the electric guitar or the acoustic, depending on the song. And um, Cy, who played guitar with me in New York, is a really good friend of mine, uh, has been for many years and a great collaborator. Um, so he's pretty much been on every show. And then I've kind of have a few really cool bass players that I've played with, depending on their schedules. What I really liked about it was it, it just feels so... I don't know, authentic and folky and because you're all singing around one mic. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, it's not always like it's not always the best for getting enough sound into the room. But if the if the room is small enough to me, it, it just helps the chemistry of the performance so much because you really can feel each other's energy and respond and blend with one another. So that's kind of been the format I've been using. And I actually did... Um, really big tour opening for a band called Mandolin Orange. And that was, you know, the biggest rooms I've ever played in, like, you know, up to like 2000 seat theaters. And they, and I still use the one mic because in those venues, the engineers are so good that they can, they can handle it. But it was cool playing in those really big rooms just around the one mic. It was, it was pretty special. Yeah, that's, that does sound awesome. I think um, I've seen, you know, like some of the bigger bands, they, they sometimes do that at the end of their show yeah. and it, it really draws you in yeah. um, and it's, it's, it is really special. So um, yeah, I love that. Now, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, because um, I, I read a lot, I think Shame, was it Shame that came out last year? Yeah, Shame came out um, in 2017 in June. So tell me a bit about shame, because I think it's somewhat controversial. Um, and I love how you're just so open and, and honest and w- really willing, I would say, to to have that conversation with your fans. Yeah, so the song Shame is kind of just a, a rallying cry to women. And it's just about, you know, not feeling shame about how that is something that n- nobody should have to feel about decisions that they make for themselves about their own bodies. And when I wrote it, I was kind of watching a big political drama about defunding Planned Parenthood. And I was listening, um, one of my favorite podcasters is Dan Savage, if you're familiar with him. And uh, he was talking about how, you know, when you, when 
people try to defund Planned Parenthood, what they're really defunding, because the majority of what Planned Parenthood does is providing birth control and, um, you know, health checkups and contraception and all this stuff and also abortions. But if you defund all of these things that would prevent unwanted pregnancies, you actually are going to increase the need for abortions. And it's just when people talk about wanting to defund Planned Parenthood because they perform abortions, the reality is that they want women to feel ashamed about having sex. Because if you actually wanted to reduce the number of abortions, you would be putting a lot of money behind contraception and education and access to all these things that would prevent the need for abortions. So it's kind of just about how, you know, not only should women not feel ashamed about, you know, having an abortion, but really like women should not have to feel ashamed about having sex or a desire to have sex or anything to do with that. Um, so that's really what the song is trying to impart. And um, it was really fun playing that in Ireland last May. They were having a big um, referendum about abortion rights and uh, the energy was kind of incredible. That must be really interesting, I think, to be in Nashville. And, you know, I know Nashville's much more liberal than the rest of the South, but obviously the South is not known for being super liberal. Um, you know, how, how do you find uh, that that song goes down in, in different places? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Nashville is quite liberal and especially in the kind of musician scene, which is where I fall. I will say that, like, I often play at the Station Inn and that's a venue that is it's a historic bluegrass venue. And I would say that has more people of, you know, politics from every background. I did an interview. I, I don't know what prompted this, but I actually got blacklisted from playing at the Station Inn, which is like my hometown club. I think it was because of an interview that I gave. I got myself unblacklisted. So I like had to call the owner and we had a big conversation and and um, he came around and, and I was so glad because um, it would just absolutely break, break my heart if I wasn't able to play there. And furthermore, I love that venue. I love everything about it. And I felt like if I was blacklisted, I was going to have to go on like a, a tirade against it. And I just didn't want to. Like, I didn't have it in me of all the things that I want to spend my time protesting. Not the station in. So anyway, I'm really glad they came around. But there has been, definitely has been some pushback to having a more controversial um, stance. Although I really don't think it's controversial to tell women they shouldn't feel ashamed. You know, absolutely. And, and songwriting is about speaking your truth and relating to people. And it, it saddens me, I think, that, that that can offend some people. And the people that make these decisions about what women can do with their bodies are usually not women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm sure if it were, you know, some law about what men could do with their bodies, you know, that wouldn't pass, but. That's totally why that line, you know, in shame, it's like old when old white men write books about faith and healing love. Old white men look happily onto others from above because it's like you are making these decisions about things that you never experience. I mean, that's really what folk music is. It's it's a comment on society. It's, it's commenting on what's happening around us. I disagree that, you know, I think it's ridiculous that you would have been blacklisted. Um, I'm sorry that it happened. I'm very glad that you have been unblacklisted. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. It was one of those cool situations where communication actually worked. And I feel happy that that could still happen in this climate. I agree. I, you know, and it's interesting. Sometimes we can get on our high horses a bit and 
not have that conversation. But I think having that, having conversations is really the way that we bring about change. I remember I went into a guitar shop and I was getting my guitar set up and this this guy was a little bit condescending to me and he was, you know, like telling me what the parts on a guitar were. And I'm like, I, I do know, you know, I have been playing guitar for a little bit. And I kind of, at the time I laughed about it and then I came away and I was like, he would not have said that to a man. Yeah. And then, so I wrote him an email and I said, you know, I, I felt very condescended to and la la la. And to his credit, you know, he he apologized and he said, you know, that's that wasn't my intention. I do that with everyone who comes in. And I and he said, you know, and, and I he said, you know, I'd, I'd like to invite you back into the shop and whatever. And I did go back in and I did have a chat with him. And he was a he's a lovely guy. But we had that conversation. We kind of got past that. And I think, you know, for me, that that was a really great experience and a teaching moment, a teaching lesson for me in that it's very easy to get on my high horse and, and just get really pissed off about it. And I, you know, might, I might have been validated to do so, but you know, in the end. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably good for all parties involved because he's probably going to be a little more aware of, you know, his own maybe personal assumptions. <sighs> we'll change the world, Rachel. We will. I know. One conversation at a time. That's it. That's it. Well, um, I think we should probably wrap this up, but I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, how happy I am for you in terms of your m- wonderful music. Now, being given so many great platforms um, and also, you know, getting married. That's also wonderful news. And I very much look forward to catching you uh, at a show in 2019. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And thanks for having me on the show. It's really cool to connect with you, you know, after so many years. And I always remember that when I was in Edinburgh all alone, you took me out to dinner. And that was so <laughs> you were, you know, you were such a, such a good friend in a time of uh, musician homelessness. So that and thanks for such a nice conversation my pleasure Rachel Bayman thank you so much Nashville's Rachel Bayman and her song Times Like These from her brand new EP Thanksgiving available everywhere now you can find Rachel at Rachel Bayman on Instagram and uh, at www.rachelbayman.com those details are in the details of our podcast now that's us for 2018 don't be too sad Uh, we will be back next year uh, in 2019 to bring you some more brilliant artists from in and around New York City and of course we have a show January 26th at 6pm Rockwood Music Hall Stage 3 so check out our website newyorkartistscollective.com or our Instagram at newyorkartistscollective for all of those details. From all of us here at NYAC have a wonderful holiday season and we wish you all the best for the new year. I'm Stephanie Manns, catch you in 2019. New York Artist Collective.